Today is April 12th, 2021. Trump gets mean at a Republican donor event. New York State raises taxes even more to push progressive policy. And Prince Philip, husband of Queen Elizabeth II, passes away at 99 years old. Welcome back, Split the Difference friends and Split the Difference family. We are here bright and early, bringing you all the best news and insights from the left and from the right here to start your week off the way that it needs to start off. Looking at all of the good and bad on both sides of the aisle, you know that we are going to work hard to find that sweet, sweet truth that lies right there in the middle. If you have not listened to our guest episode that was just rolled out last week, Hop on over and take a look at that. It released last Tuesday. I had guest on Stinson Rogers, and we had an awesome conversation. Really, really enjoyed that, and I think many of you will enjoy that as well. So go ahead, hop over and listen to that, and prepare yourselves, because we have another guest coming on next week that I think many of you are going to really get a lot out of as well. So we've got some great content rolling out for you guys because that's what our goal is here on Split the Difference Podcast. We are trying our best to bring you guys all the good stuff that you guys are yearning for, that your hearts are desiring. So without further ado, let's go ahead and hop on into our first story of the day, story number one. So for our first story of the day, Trump got a little bit mean over the weekend. Can you guys imagine? So in regular Trump fashion, we have that, you know, so much of us, so many of us have just missed so much, right? We all miss being able to see Trump in the headlines every single day, saying or doing something absolutely bonkers. And we got it this past Saturday. So Trump got up and spoke at a Republican donor dinner over the weekend that took place at his Mar-a-Lago resort and said some not-so-flattering things about Mitch McConnell and Mike Pence. So let's go ahead, hop in real quick, and this is listening to today, doing some reporting on this a day or so ago. Meeting on his home turf in Florida, Donald Trump held nothing back, blaming McConnell and Pence for his 2020 defeat and repeating false claims that he actually won the election. Trump attacked McConnell, calling him unflattering names, according to The New York Times, and vented his disappointment at Mike Pence. Out of office, but still considered the leader of his party, and he does have support from many Republicans. Meanwhile, here in D.C., bipartisanship continues to be discussed, if not yet realized. All right. So uh, the dinner, like I said, held at Mar-a-Lago, which is in a lot of ways kind of become like the de facto headquarters for the Republican Party in a weird way. Uh, A whole bunch of big wigs for the Republican Party were there. They were all, of course, trying to raise some money for the Republican Party, figure out a little bit of the direction where they're headed, which we will talk about a little bit. Um, And, you know, of course, you know, the Republican, you know, all that, all of them, they, they paid for their stay. They paid for the use of the facilities and they also paid Trump. I believe that he was the only paid speaker, uh, that was there. Uh, so he, you know, was just raking in the dollar unis there like Trump normally does. Cause he's a businessman doing business. Uh, and Trump used it as an opportunity to vent a lot of his frustrations about what went down late last year and pretty much who he blames for why all of that went down because it, of course, was not Trump's fault. So he went on his normal soapbox 
about how he never lost the election, how the entire thing was rigged. But this time, specifically, he went after Mitch McConnell and Mike Pence. So normally, I mean, we hear a lot. We have heard a lot from Donald Trump. The election was rigged. I never lost the election. I have a whole bunch of patriots that are following after me. We didn't do anything wrong on January 6th during the Capitol riots. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. You know, all the normal lines from Donald Trump. But this time he called McConnell, quote, a dumb son of a B word, because I'm not going to curse on this child friendly podcast. And also, quote, a stone cold loser. So these are some of Trump's favorite insults to sling out some of his favorite insults to level. He loves to talk about how he is a winner and how other people are losers, because in this world, there are only winners and losers. So uh, this was a really common trope that he would throw out, especially when he was campaigning and also while he was in office as well. You would normally hear Donald Trump say that he wants America to like win again, right? Or that the other side, they're just a bunch of losers. You know, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, all those Democrats are all just a bunch of losers. But we, we are winners and we are bringing winning back to the White House. He also has called a lot of people SOBs pretty frequently before as well. I don't know why. That's just like kind of his thing. Um, He also talked through how incredibly disappointed that he was in Mike Pence for actually certifying the the election results uh, because, of course, Trump didn't lose and also because he doesn't really understand how the whole election certification process works, apparently. Uh, Even, you know, if Pence would have completely neglected his duty, uh, he couldn't have actually changed the results because the votes were tallied and Trump lost. So even if, you know, Mike Pence went in there, And he decided that he wasn't going to certify the election results and uh, Congress stood up and they were like, a whole bunch of Republicans were like, no, we we think that Donald Trump won. At the end of the day, you can't just flip the result of an election because you don't like the results. Uh, Thank the Lord for that, because that's not how a democracy or a democratic republic can be established. Um, But he, of course, vented his frustrations about Mike Pence not actually going out uh, and saying that he wasn't going to certify the results and you basically keep Donald Trump in office through some means that nobody is really sure how he would have done. So just in case people have forgotten some of the events from three months ago during the Capitol riots, uh, all of the rioters had just come from the Save America rally held and organized by Trump. Trump also talked about this on Saturday as well and said that he was very proud of the people that were at the rally. Uh, did not uh, seem like he was pretty very ashamed of a lot of the stuff that ended up going down that day, even though he did get impeached for it by the by the uh, House of Representatives. Um, after they left the Save America rally, they then proceeded to the Capitol building where they screamed and yelled, attacked Capitol police, and eventually broke into the building, uh, actually insurrecting the place where government, you know, takes place in America. Uh, once they found out that Pence actually certified the results because it was released all over Twitter and, of course, Parler as well, uh, the big conservative platform now, uh, they proceeded to chant, hang Mike Pence and actually erected a gallows outside of the building. So you can go and find, you know, if you just type in a quick Googly search, you can go and find the rudimentary gallows that they hung up with a noose hanging from it. Uh, And it was around that that a lot of people on the west side of the Capitol building were screaming, hang Mike Pence, because they believe that he had now um, 
abandoned his loyalty to Donald Trump and he was not a patriot anymore. So just just so everybody knows, the protesters turned rioters, uh, most of which were holding Trump flags, weren't going to let anyone or anything stand in the way of their beloved uh, leader uh, not winning that election. I mean, legitimately, they thought that they were patriots. Many of them believed and said that they were sent there by Donald Trump to be the patriots that they needed to be and save America. That was literally the name of the rally they just came from. And being upset at Mike Pence, who arguably was one of the better, more level-headed pieces within the Trump administration, is a very small price to pay in order to save the country, right? So uh, why I talk about all this is because Trump is without a doubt still the leader of the Republican Party. I think that at this point to deny that would be incredibly intellectually dishonest, okay? And Trump has proven that both he and his supporters are willing to turn against anyone if that means that they can stay in power. And at this point, it may mean the complete destruction of the GOP as we know it, which I believe is kind of Trump's goal and his plan going forward that is slowly starting to materialize, okay? So um, it is... There's no doubt that Trump has always and will always thrive in chaos, okay? Trump kind of sows and, and promulgates chaos wherever he goes because, and, and I mean, he says this as well, that like oftentimes in the chaos, if you're the one that's able to keep more of a level, ha- level head and keep a, a direct focus on where you're going, it allows you and affords you better opportunities in negotiation. It affords you better opportunities in some of the planning that you're doing because nobody else around you can plan well. Um, so... Many of the Republicans, I think over the past couple of months, have really been trying to take the take a deep breath and get their head above water since Trump was not is now out of DC. However, Trump is thinking about 2024 and isn't nearly as concerned as some of the elections that are farther down ticket during the midterms. Since he left office, the only time that Trump has talked, he has purposefully worked to keep his party, to keep his base very, very energized, while at the same time sow a lot of discord amongst the current Republicans in Congress that have gone against him or said anything that he did not like. He cares very very little about trying to keep the Republican Party as we know it together, okay? And that's because what is the point of the Republican Party if Donald Trump is not at the head of it, right? He knows that if the Republican Party is in absolute shambles over the next few years, and if that means sacrificing some of the Republican seats within the Congress during the midterms, and so be it, uh, They don't do well in the midterms. The Republican base is going to be looking for a very, very big win in 2024. And they're going to be looking for and to someone that has been able to carry them to victory before. And that is when Donald the Orange will come through on his gallant white steed, holding his American, well, probably his Trump flag into battle. And all of his followers and his base will look up and be like, finally, Donald Trump is back. Donald Trump is really going for the Grover Cleveland right now. You know, you get in, you win an election, you lose as an incumbent, and then you come back and you win again, right? He's totally trying to Grover Cleveland us right now. Um, so I, all, all that to say, do not be surprised at all if over the next year, Trump is increasingly saying things like this about leaders and within powerful people within the Republican Party. Because I think that Donald Trump Uh, Some of my predictions about Donald Trump have come true, like Donald Trump wanting to go out and start a, a massive media conglomerate. 
Looks like he currently has one in the works right now. Say what you want. You heard it here first. You can go back and listen to my podcast from a couple months ago. I totally called it. Uh, but I also think that if Donald Trump decides that he wants to run in 2024, which, barring health concerns, I think would be, is, is honestly kind of likely at this point, okay? In the very beginning, I didn't think that Donald Trump was going to be shooting for 2024. However, with his ego as large as it is, there is no way that he would be able to stand by and have Biden beat him in an election and him not be able to come back and win another presidency. I think that Donald Trump just, his ego could not take it. Okay. So I think that his goal over the next three years is going to be to sow as much discord within the Republican party as possible. And if they decide that they do not want to bow down to him, if the Mitch McConnell's of the world, if the Lisa Murkowski's, if the Mitt Romney's, all these people that he's calling rhinos, right? These Republicans in name only do not submit underneath the authority of the Trump leadership within the Republican, the right side of the aisle, I think that Donald Trump is going to legitimately threaten to start his own party, although I doubt that he would do that because he knows that he would lose a lot of voters. He knows that he'd never win. Um, but I think that he would he's going to be going for sowing discord, sowing chaos, so that he can step in and try to piece together everything and basically be the hero of the Republican Party um, if he decides that he wants to shore up his bets and his chances for 2024. So we'll have to see how all of this plays out. It's pretty gross when you hear an ex-president standing up and calling members of his own party sons of B-words, right? Calling, throwing out names like SOB, just not a good look at all, right? One of the reasons why many people did not want to vote him for president in 2021. Maybe. I could be wrong. So with all of that, that is the end of our first story of the day. Let's go ahead and hop on into our second story, story number two. So for our second story of the day, New York State raises taxes, which I feel like nobody's super surprised about. However, I feel like this is a, this is a good story that we kind of need to talk through and parse through today. So the New York State legislator passed some of the most progressive legislation they've probably passed in a little while, uh, about around the middle of last week. Uh, They passed a new budget for the 2022 fiscal year, uh, and it had a plethora of progressive initiatives in it that have been slowly but surely building up and kind of setting been the stage has been set for about the past decade for kind of the culmination of a lot of progressives coming together at one time uh, within the New York state legislature to pass some of the initiatives that they want. Uh, What is amazing is how the downfall of Andrew Cuomo, who is legitimately seen as a moderate Democrat in New York, which is hilarious, uh, is paving the way for a lot, I mean, a large amount of more progressive leaders underneath him to come up and be able to kind of put their put their stake in the ground and like, you know, plant their flag and establish like, hey, look, we're here in New York, we're going to be progressive unashamedly so, and we're going to be the future of the progressive party in America. Uh, This is primarily because uh, since he took office in 2011, he has pushed back hard against raising taxes in New York because he has seen it as a boon for businesses and wealthier individuals that will reconsider living in or operating in New York State. Uh, They already had some of the highest state taxes in the entire country. They now, after this budget and everything was passed last week, will have the highest taxes uh, in the entire state taxes in the entire country. Um, 
But uh, Andrew Cuomo, as many of you know, has been absolutely excoriated over the past couple of months for some absolutely terrible conduct, conduct that he has been accused of uh, from any, anything ranging from, you know, a whole bunch of sexual assault allegations. I, I mean, how he handled COVID, basically hiding numbers. He is still in office. He has not resigned. Doesn't look like he's going anywhere for the foreseeable future. Um, but progressive realized that they, his feet are held to the fire, okay? His power is fading, and now they have the opportunity to step in and get their agenda passed without, you know, basically thinking or knowing that Andrew Cuomo is going to step in and veto something because he kind of can't, right? At this point, Andrew Cuomo's hands are tied. He's not popular amongst pretty much anybody. Uh, so, he kind of has to do what the progressive want him to do if he wants to continue to stay in office. So uh, the state was actually facing, okay, before this year, a $15 billion deficit, okay, $15 billion deficit. However, because they got a ton of federal bailouts from the most recent COVID stimulus plan that was passed, which really, in a lot of ways, gave a lot of states a lot of extra spending power straight from the feds. This was actually one of the biggest arguments from the Republicans is that this COVID stimulus bill that was passed, which is almost $2 trillion, the vast majority of it wasn't actually going to COVID stimulus. It was going to a wide gambit of other issues. One of the you know biggest ones that really infuriated Republicans was it basically bailed out states like California and New York that completely shut down their economies for months and months and months. And they are now getting kickbacks and kind of getting... Uh, propped up by the federal government as a result. So um, because of federal funds being sent to them and also because of raised taxes on the wealthiest citizens of the state, they are now going to be raising the budget by $35 billion from the year before, Okay, which will be spent in a wide variety of different ways. So they were at a $15 billion deficit. Now they raised the federal budget $35 billion. Interesting math there. So they plan on spending about $2.4 billion for a fund. So let's go ahead and actually, let's go ahead and say this. I'm going to walk through some of the more progressive agendas. The vast majority of the other stuff within the New York state budget is boring, regular old stuff, right? Like just about every other state has pretty much just regular kind of blue dog Democrat type of a type of stuff that they're going through. But they added in three things that were specifically much more progressive. So the first, they're planning on spending $2.4 billion for a fund and the state has has basically extended its eviction moratorium for another year, then created this fund for low and middle income tenants to pay off as much as 12 months rent for which they are now in arrears because of economic effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. So now how they are actually going to define whether or not the rents were uh, inversely or negatively impacted by the pandemic hasn't really been laid out. As we have seen with a lot of the other gov government stimulus that has been handed out up until this point, they really haven't done a good job of identifying the people that actually need it. It's kind of been more of a blanket like a blanket type of stimulus handout. Uh, it's gotten to a, gone to a whole lot of people that actually didn't need any of the money uh, that was actually handed out to them. Uh, the vast majority of the people that have received payments from the government have just used it to pay off debt and to save. 
not really the point of or the goal of stimulus, economic stimulus. Uh, so we'll have to see how they plan on getting that money out to the people uh, that currently are in arrears. Not sure how they're going to do it. Uh, the next thing that they're going to do is fully fund their public schools for the first time in a decade. So they're going to be putting about $1.4 billion towards public education. Uh, a lot of people are big fans of that because the New York education system has been absolutely horrible for years and years, incredibly un underfunded, which is really amazing because New York really is one of the wealthiest states in the entire country uh, and has some of the highest taxes in the entire country as well. However, their public education has just been uh, in shambles for a long time. And the third thing uh, is that they created a $2.1 billion, uh, they're calling it an excluded workers fund, okay? So basically what it does is it makes undocumented immigrant workers who lost work eligible for up to $15,600 in unemployment benefits. Because of the workers' immigration status, they have been previously ineligible for federal benefits. So in other words, if you are an illegal immigrant in New York, and so they, they use the phrase undocumented, undocumented immigrant, uh, but what that actually means is they are here within the United States illegally. Like they did not go through the legal process of getting into the United States. Okay. I just kind of want that to be clear. So that way, you know, the same, the same language is being used. So uh, if you are an illegal immigrant in New York and have thus been unable to qualify for benefits, but you lost your job during the pandemic last year, the state of New York is planning on extending you almost $16,000 in benefits. So instead of being deported for, you know, and like in a lot of states, uh, for being in the United States illegally, you would actually get paid for it, which is definitely a new take. So a lot of this is going to be paid for by the increases in taxes on the rich as well. So New Yorkers earning $1 million to $5 million a year would see their top tax rate go up to 9.65%. Uh, it also creates income tax brackets, uh, subjecting earnings from $5 million to $25 million at a 10.3% tax rate. And then Anybody above $25 million uh, goes to a close to 11% tax rate. So the state's corporate income tax rate is also going to go up to 7.25% for companies with incomes of $5 million a year or more. This now makes it the highest tax state uh, in the entire union. So why is any of this important at all? I mean, like regardless of Republican or Democrat, if you are outside of New York, why should you care? That's a totally fair question. Here's why. So the two most left-leaning states in the country, California and New York, oftentimes lead the way in more progressive agendas, okay? They have for a very long time. They tend to be uh, the precursor for things that are coming down the pike for progressives across the country. And New York legislatures are not shy at all about this, okay? So Sia Weaver, she's a campaign coordinator uh, for a large housing rights group there in New York, said this, in this past week, quote, the Biden administration should be looking to New York to say this is what Democrats can and should be doing to deliver for working class people. There is no doubt that over the past decade, the Democratic Party has slowly but surely moved increasingly more progressive. OK, and a lot of things that were, you know, sturdy parts of the Obama agenda now seem like they are almost part of the Republican priority now. OK, that's kind of how how the Democratic Party has kind of shifted, especially the more progressive wing has shifted over the past decade. Uh, and progressives in a lot of ways are looking to change the way that Americans view not only progressives, but the Democratic Party as a whole. I think for a long time, 
the more progressive wing of the Democratic Party uh, was just kind of like these loudmouth people that are over on the left. And it's like, all right, you know, Nancy Pelosi and your Chuck Schumers and all them, they were like, yeah, okay, that's fine. You guys be loud, but just do it over there, right? Just do it away from us. Just be loud over there. Now, progressives are like, well, we, we're going to start getting agendas passed, and we want for Americans to be able to see the benefits that they're getting from these, okay? The days of just your regular old democratic policy are kind of going away. Everything is shifting to a more progressive, higher tax, higher spending, and larger government under this more progressive agenda, okay? It is a fundamental shift in American policies and the overall role of American government in everyday life. Okay, the progressives in America are starting to move towards and look a lot more like their European progressive counterparts. Okay, where the name of the game is large government. You want bigger government. You want bloated spending. You want higher taxes because the government really should be the ones that decide how wealth should be distributed and the government should be there to take care of the needs of the people. Okay. And I don't, I'm not saying this with any type of condemnation. That is just what the more progressive agenda looks like. Okay. The more left leaning side of the aisle normally shifts towards, it is the government's responsibility and role to not just provide for security of its people, you know, not just provide and allow them, you know, to, to be afforded some rights, but it's the government's responsibility to be able to take care of the people as a whole. Okay. And it's really looking towards wealth redistribution as the primary goal of winning a larger piece of the electorate. Okay. If they can raise taxes and use that money to fund and provide for people that are lower on the socioeconomic ladder, then that will guarantee themselves a solid voting base for years and years to come, right? It's just, just politics. That's just regular politics. The problem is that it's absolutely terrible economic policy, okay? As the Democrats, as the Democratic Party as a whole starts to become more progressive, we really should expect more economic and social, social policy you know, that are coming out of New York and California to kind of start being pushed by more Democratic legislatures across the country. Uh, that is, of course, if or until the wealthier people in California and New York start to leave because of the incredibly high taxes. They really can't afford their progressive agendas anymore. Most of that, however, is going to be heavily dependent on the federal government bailing them out at the end, which is kind of what we've seen happen a lot over the past couple of decades. So that is the end of our second story of the day. Let's go ahead and hop on into our third story and our last story, story number three. So for our third story of the day, Prince Philip passes away last week at the age, bright young age of 99 years old. So normally I would not cover a story like this, uh, primarily because I do tend to focus a bit more on the on American politics and also because for the most part, total transparency, I do not understand the whole monarchy thing in the UK. I feel like for the vast majority of Americans, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around why the British people would still support uh, and kind of be for a royal family. Uh, but I guess there are some things about tradition and whatnot that are important that they like. Uh, this is a pretty momentous time for the royal family and for the UK as a whole and then broader picture for the entire world. So let's go ahead and hop in real quick. This is today reporting on this uh, about, I think, two or three days ago. 
Well, Kristen, Peter, as you can imagine, the Queen has been left absolutely devastated. Of course, uh, the Duke of Edinburgh did spend a month in hospital prior to his demise, and she would have recognised that perhaps at 99 his days were numbered, but I think there were hope among the family, at least, that he would make it to his 100th birthday in June. Sadly, that's not been the case, and we can see today the Queen's children driving into Windsor Castle, the Duke of York, Prince Charles and Prince Edward have all made a visit to their mother to help her at this moment of terrible loss and sorrow so in case you have no idea who prince philip was or how he was connected to the crown like me i had to look every bit of this stuff up prince philip was the husband to queen elizabeth they were married in 1947 they were married for 73 years that's a long time uh, which means that he was actually second in the line for the throne should something have happened to queen elizabeth but as many people like to joke she is just about immortal like she's been around forever um and currently, they had four children, okay? The firstborn was Prince, Char Prince Charles, who is now 72 years old and is now next in line for the throne. Uh, the grandchildren are uh, Prince Andrew and Prince Harry, as many of you probably know who they are. Uh, they're in their, you know, 30s. I think Prince Charles is now, uh, or I mean, Prince Andrew is now, I think, like 38, late 30s. Uh, they're much more popular than probably some of the older folks that are in the family. Uh, so Queen Elizabeth assumed the throne at only 25 years old when her father passed away uh, and is currently the longest live and longest reigning British monarch in history. She is also the longest serving female head of state in world history as well. Pretty wild stuff. So I think for the most part, Prince Philip pretty much kind of kept to himself and helped alongside the queen and kind of whatever it is that she needed for him too. He was kind of seen as, for the most part, kind of a behind-the-scenes type of guy, a uh, little bit quieter, not really in the news, purposefully so. Uh, he was, uh, I believe, a, a naval veteran as well. I believe he fought in World War II. From everything that I read, he was a pretty, a pretty decent dude. Uh, he was alongside her through a lot of incredibly difficult things. And, I mean, to think that they were married for over seven decades is pretty outstanding. That is, I cannot imagine 70 years, that's a long time. So the interesting thing now will be how the monarchy kind of grows and starts to go from here. After Queen Elizabeth, Prince Charles is now set to assume the throne and his style is significantly different from that of his predecessors. Opinion polls from what I read regularly show him as the least popular member of the royal family, uh, which is saying a lot because I think some of the members of the royal family are not very popular. Um, and he's also pushed to be a, a good bit more political uh, and progressive in a lot of ways. He's had a long time vision of pushing towards a more kind of like slimmed down and less lavish monarchy, like on paper. So his idea is basically to kind of consolidate the, the royal monarchy a little bit, you know, as it, I mean, it currently is just a figurehead in so many ways. Uh, but I think that he uh, has said that he wants to pull back some of the lavishness, all of the, the millions and millions and millions of dollars that they spend on like really big parties and all kinds of stuff like that. Although he does also live an incredibly lavish lifestyle, just like the rest of them, uh, which of, of course is fueled by British taxpayers, uh, which is, again, that is another, I just don't understand that at all. It's like, I don't understand why you would ever want to pay taxes to people so that they can just sit around and have, have parties on your dollar. Although, granted, I reckon that happens in American politics all the time as well. It just uh, They just have to go through a couple more backdoor channels than they do over in Britain. 
So uh, I think the interesting thing about the story, though, is that we're kind of starting to see very real winds of change in the political landscape the world over. Uh, politics don't just go on in the United States, but all over the world, believe it or not. And you're starting to see a, a lot of these older generations that have been incredibly present in politics for the last you know, 20, 30, 40, even 50 years that are starting to pass away or they're starting to retire. And the same thing is going to be happening in the United States as well. Uh, I mean, you have your Chuck Schumers and your Nancy Pelosi's, you have your Leahy's, you have all of these people that are, you know, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden as well, like older politicians that are, you know, septuagenarians or octogenarians that have been in politics for, for a very long time. And they're, they're starting to, to age out. They're either passing away or they're retiring finally. And there's going to be an entirely different and new generation that is coming up underneath all of these people uh, that are going to bring about a completely different wave of change, right? They're going to bring about a, a totally new era of politics, a totally new era of going about things. Uh, the way that they look at the world is going to be completely different. And uh, at, at times like Prince Philip passing away, it makes you have to sit down and, and, and like take a moment and take a breath and be like, you know, things are, are going to continue to change just in the same way that they always have. Um, and, you know, he is definitely somebody that's kind of like a, a, a marker, a kind of like a pillar within the world political community for uh, decades and decades now. And it's the same with Queen Elizabeth as well. So his passing in a lot of ways is kind of... Uh, it's it's the one step closer to uh, a, a wide gambit of other different changes that will be happening within politics the world over over the next decade or so. So with all of that, that is the end of our third story and last story of the day. Let's go ahead and finish up the show with something that made me smile. So something that made me smile this week, and I guess over the past week or two, is my wife started a new little business called Furnish Me. It is a kind of... I want to say it, it's kind of a furniture flipping, kind of a furniture sales type of business where she's going out, she's renovating, and she's fixing up pieces of furniture that she's able to find, and she's enjoying it a ton. And honestly, some of the pieces that she's gotten have been pretty cool pieces. I've kind of been impressed so far uh, with some of. She's got a really, really good eye. She's always been super artsy, and she enjoys being able to like work with her hands like this and kind of fix up and renovate pieces of furniture. So it's really made me smile over the past week or so, kind of seeing how excited she is about all of it. If you want to go and check her out, find her on Instagram at Furnish Me. She's got an Instagram there, and I believe she's also on Facebook Marketplace as well. So go and check out some of her pieces, and uh, I know that she she would enjoy that and enjoy getting a bunch of the feedback from some of my listeners as well. So with all of that, that is the end of our show today. Thank you so much for dropping by and for checking us out. As always, y'all, we're going to do our best to stay level-headed. We are always going to be reasonable, and of course, we're going to split the difference. This is Austin Taylor.